Temple, maybe? That's the headline in Israeli 365 News. That's right, Israeli 365 News. Tel Aviv Skyscraper, remake of Tower of Babel. And I'm looking at the picture. The picture on the right is a very large construction in a helical twist, very much like the ancient rendition of the Tower of Babel. In fact, those pictures are juxtaposed on the front of the announcement. Some also called it perhaps a dry run for the building of a third temple. The Israeli group, an Israeli real estate and holding company, announced their plan to build Israel's tallest building in Tel Aviv, perhaps its most godless city. Topping out at 91 stories and reaching 1,150 feet towards the heavens, it is estimated that the spiral tower will take six years to complete at an estimated cost of $666 million. Six years to complete, estimated cost of $666 million. By building the spiral tower, the Israeli group will outdo itself as they built the current tallest building in Israel, which stands at 782 feet high. And they built that just two years ago. But now, the tower was planned and developed in a unique geometric shape, never before seen in Israel, but seen in Babylon. Welcome to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation with ever-increasing conviction. Talk that transforms. And today is no exception. Today we talk about the terror of the tower. The terror of the tower. You'll have to stay tuned in order to understand the fullness of that topic. Israel Rosenberg is an author who has powerful connection to the spiritual implications of, of construction. He's a tour guide for the Western Wall Tunnels there in Israel. He said the main sin connected to the power of Babel was not in their action, but in their intention. The bottom line is that the intent of the builders and the architects of the Israeli tower now is being done in the name of heaven. Oh. But Rosenberg noted that the builders of the Tower of Babel came together to challenge heaven. He said Tel Aviv needs high towers since it's becoming densely populated. He said this is a tikkun. That means fixing for what happened after the Tower of Babel, and it allows people to get together in Israel. Sounds to me like the very same spirit that caused the people at Babel to build that ancient tower. They didn't want to disperse as God had commanded. They wanted to come together. But what does that mean ultimately? What does that mean politically? What does that mean for the spirit of our age? 
That's what we need to focus on here today on Viewpoint. Viewpoint always determines destiny. There are no neutral viewpoints, not even yours or mine. And so I'm glad that you've joined us here as we open up this amazing topic, the terror of the tower. Rosenberg there in Israel said everything we can learn about construction in Israel is just one step away from the temple. The third temple will be with the agreement and blessings of every nation in the world, he said. The greatest construction project ever seen. We need to learn how to lead the world in this project. In other words, we need to bring the world together to build a tower. They will reach unto heaven. The reuniting of the world, contrary to God's command in the book of Genesis. As technology marches forward, the desire by making to challenge the heavens, by constructing towers, is growing. Last year, Amazon, as you know, unveiled the plans for its new corporate headquarters that will stand in Arlington, Virginia, just about a 100 miles from where we're broadcasting from, directly across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C. The mega global corporation intended to bring the world together around consumption of goods, designed a double helix for its tower, decidedly similar to depictions, historical depictions of the Tower of Babel. Washington, D.C. Israel. And then earlier, as the EU constructed its headquarters in Strasbourg, they also created that building as a modern Tower of Babel. What's going on here? What is going on here? A publication that came out in 2010 from the AmericanCatholic.com said, there's a coming open rebellion against God. Some of you may think, well, why would you be quoting something coming from the American Catholic? Because it's actually speaking the truth. And what they may not have realized is how close that fulfillment would come to and through the Roman Catholic Church. They write, The slow, inexorable march toward open rebellion against God by humans began in, of all places, heaven, when Lucifer and one-third of the angels tried to take over heaven. What was the cause of their rebellion? The cause was the same as it always has been, pride. Those who deny God actually believe in him more than they will, we will ever know. They just feel they could do a better job than him. In other words, believing in God doesn't cut it. One has to believe him and humble himself before him. That's why the fear of the Lord is the foundation for it all. But if we don't fear God, we'll fear man and we'll try to construct towers that will protect us because we don't trust God. It has happened time and again since that fateful day in the Garden of Eden until this very day. Sadly, we will soon see such an open rebellion against God that even those who hardly seem shocked by anything will be stunned. This is coming from the AmericanCatholic.com 
12 years ago, 2010. They go on to say the hubris of man knows no bounds. The feelings and desires of men and women were now superseding the truths of the church. We might say the truths of the Bible. Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, who would pick up this theme of violence toward religion and God, it would continue underground in intellectual circles until the age of mass communications when television, music, and the Internet would not only broadcast the views of the intellectual, but the ranting of those who claimed to be rank and file. Keep in mind, it was done none other than Saul Alinsky, the mentor of many of the liberal and progressive movements, including many in Washington, D.C., who dedicate his landmark book, Rules of Her Radicals, to, among others, Lucifer. The Terror of the Tower, friends, it's in the making as we speak. Stay tuned. This is Viewpoint. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. The rebellion has and is upon us. From Baruch Sheva, Israel National News, also 12 years ago, the headline, Tower of Babel, Rebellion. A rebellion can be against a regime, but it can also be against God. A revolt against God takes place amid times of seeming plenty. The towering edifice, the tower, would signify their self-confidence in their own prowess as the masters of their destiny. Indeed, that's true. Indeed, that is true. Now, consider the article that came out last year from the Roman Catholic Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, a formal papal ambassador to the United States, criticizing the globalist Great Reset and warning in a speech that corrupt civil and church authorities have joined forces to exploit the, exploit the coronavirus pandemic in their quest to bolster global sovereignty. Notice this global sovereignty is a political expression of the building of the tower. The building of the Tower of Babel. The headline is... Luciferian globalists exploiting COVID for great reset. Luciferian globalists exploiting COVID for the great reset. In a speech, Vigano described the great reset as a criminal plan conceived for decades and aimed at establishing a universal dictatorship in which a minority of immeasurably rich and powerful people intends to enslave and subjugate the whole of humanity to the globalist ideology. The globalist ideology, friends, is the ultimate expression of the uniting of the peoples of the world in one final expression of rebellion against God. 
Those are my words. The Archbishop said that the religion of science that has manifested during the COVID-19 pandemic has cloaked itself in a dogmatism bordering on superstition. He said the ministers of this cult have constituted themselves as a caste of untouchables, exempt from any criticism, even when their claims are denied by the evidence of the facts. So they have to silence people who report and demonstrate where the facts really are. You see, when you turn the building of the tower, the final building of the Tower of Babel, from a actual physical building to a reality of humankind in the pursuit of political and spiritual oneness without God, you necessarily end up with violence. You necessarily end up with violence against God reflected in violence against man. Therefore, all who resist must be selected out. Selected out. Those are the terms used by the New Age. Those who refuse to embrace the coming vision of the cosmic Christ the counterfeit Messiah, must be selected out. It's a euphemism for eliminated from the planet, which is another euphemism for killed, exterminated, removed, so that we can proceed with the building of the tower because nothing can be allowed to stand in the way. No one. Now, isn't it fascinating that here is a Catholic archbishop who is now referring to Pope Francis as perhaps of the Antichrist spirit himself. In fact, what we do know is that Pope Francis himself has choreographed a plan underway to be fulfilled this year for the uniting of the religions of the world. You see, you can't build a tower unto God that will bind everyone together unless you have the binding force. The binding force is perceived to be religion. Not politics, but religion. And therefore... The Pope, being the largest politi- the largest religious figure in the world, referred to as, well, formally as the Pontifus Maximus, shortened form to Pontiff, that shortened to Pope, we then understand that there is something historical to this expression of the uniting of the world in, perhaps, a pope. Now, I'm not prophesying here. I'm relating the facts of history, and even within the Roman Catholic Church itself, to its own expectations that this, some pope, will lead the world into a one-world religion 
that will be headed by the Pope who will sit on the Temple Mount, Mount Moriah, where Abraham offered up his only son. And God said, because you have been willing to do that, I will be willing to offer up my only son as a sacrifice. Right there, the crucifixion. And it appears that the rising rebellion of humankind, even in the name of religion, is willing to crucify everything that stands in its way. Hence, the selection out. Not only has Pope Francis decided that he's going to unite the religions of the world through the building of three edifices in Dubai, where the tallest tower on the world is situated, but he also has been selected and was amazingly noted by the former uh, Prime Minister of Israel, Shimon Perez, who declared the Pope to be the one to lead the world into a new world religion, to unite the world finally in its great building of the spiritual Tower of Babel. And Shimon Perez was noted to be a very secular Jew. So you can see that Israel and the world, the Jews and the Gentiles, are in a complicit plan, effort, trajectory for building a political tower, a religious tower, an economic tower to place all trust of humankind in mankind's ability to save himself. That's where we are. The world in revolt. Nations that once feared God now ignore him and despise his word. Children from godly homes are rebelling against the faith of their parents. Not much has changed in the last 4,000 years since Babel has it, except it's intensifying. It's coming to fruition. It's as if all the trajectories, all, all the the rivulets and uh, uh, rivers and all of these are coming into, of history, are coming together in one great river surging toward not only the second coming, but in that which will precede it, which is the rebuilding of Babel. Genesis 11, 1 to 9. That's what we're talking about. It describes a unique revolution in human history. All people on the earth were literally of one voice, one language, one lip, as the word says, and one words. In other words, they all spoke the same thing. But as a result of God's judgment, their language was divided into several languages according to families. Now, the interesting thing is that God had commanded Noah's descendants after the flood to multiply, 
be fruitful and replenish the earth. In other words, to spread out, to get out there, not unify, but to spread out, to cover the earth. But they decided we don't like that idea. So a rebellion took place a century or two after Noah's flood. It wasn't any surprise to God because he knew human nature. In fact, he had said that the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. And rebellion had been the pattern ever since Adam disobeyed God. In fact, ever since Lucifer disobeyed God. So the settlers at Babel went out of their way to ensure that they would not be scattered contrary to what God had commanded. And the real problem was pride. That was the real problem. And any human activity done for the wrong reason is wicked. Any human activity done for the wrong reason is evil or wicked. So these rebels wanted to build their tower, whose top is in the heavens, would reach unto the heavens. Why did they want to do that? Because their motivation was anti-God. They did not trust God. They were living in relative prosperity, and they were going to prove their point. We will save ourselves. Friends, that's exactly the spirit that we're dealing with as we speak right now, not only in America, but all over the world. Yes, even in Israel. It's amazing. If you have your ear to the ground and your eyes open and a heart to understand, it does not take a Philadelphia lawyer to figure it out, to see it. But here we're trying to explain it so we don't miss the point. It's the height of folly, friends, for human beings to think we can bridge the gap between the physical world and the spiritual world by our own efforts. But they said, let's make a name for ourselves. That alone reveals the arrogance of the people at Babel. They sought to make a name for themselves rather than to honor the name of their creator. So God had said, let us make man in our image. So these people said, let us make a name for ourselves. And that's exactly what human beings have been trying to do to share God's glory. That's what the serpent tempted Eve with the promise that she and Adam could be as gods. Remember? But God's not impressed by our works. He desires obedience and humility. And if we humble and obey uh, in obedience, God will honor our name. But when we decide to elevate our name, contrary to God's name, we've got a problem. So the Lord came down, as you recall, to see what was going on in their city, in the tower that they were building. Did you know that God takes notice of our plans, of your plans, your thoughts, your intentions? And God stepped in. He knew the end result of this was not going to be good. It was going to upset 
his intent and plan. So he stepped in to reverse their plan. That's what he did. And so he confounded their language. But God had made note that if he didn't do that, nothing would be restrained from them which they would have purpose or imagine to do. Nothing would be restrained. In other words, their unity in rebellion would be so powerful as to be unrestrainable. I want you to think about the implications of that. How about our unity, the unity in the world today that seems to be bring, coming about that will be unrestrainable when we speak with political correctness, multiculturalism, religious pluralism, it has become the new unholy trinity to guide our language. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. The Internet today is being designed and utilized in order to unify the people, to unify the entire world. Amazon itself, in the commercial world, is doing just that. Should it be a surprise, then, that they would build a headquarters just outside of Washington, D.C., a resurrected Tower of Babel? right there on the shores of the Potomac? It shouldn't be a shock, shouldn't be a surprise, because it's a manifestation of the spirit, the godless spirit of man, in total rebellion against God and in lifting up oneself in the spirit of Lucifer in ultimate pride. That's what we're looking at. The European Union, exactly the same thing. When they formed their constitution... In the Lisbon Treaty, they refused to use the word God or any reference to God in their constitution, even though, historically, they had been known as Christian Europe. So, there are points in time when God says, you know what? I am not going to allow this project to continue. He did that with Noah. He looked around the world and he saw that the the imagination of men's hearts and thoughts was evil only continually. Sound familiar? It should, because Jesus said as it was in the days of Noah, so it's going to be just before his second coming. That's what he said. 
and people are going to be giving in marriage. In other words, business as usual, but in rebellion, open rebellion. And that rebellion would manifest itself in all kinds of wickedness, which the Apostle Paul described to Timothy, calling it perilous times. Do you think we're living in perilous times? I think you know we are. Now, isn't it interesting, though, that when God intervened and caused their project of building the tower to cease by confounding their languages, even today, we now have advertised on television a language-building program called Babel. Have you noticed that? Fascinating. God, my friends, wants us to turn to him rather than relying on ourselves. That's where the issue of believing and trusting and faith comes in. Those are not idle words. That's why we did an entire program last week concerning belief, faith, and trust. This is the critical thing, what God is looking for in our lives. Only trust him. Only trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll direct your path. My wife and I are trusting that even as we speak. There are many things going on in our own lives that we are questioning. We're not sure exactly which way to turn, what what to do specifically. And so we say, Lord, we open our hands, we open our hearts before you. We're not going to grasp onto anything. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So it be it. But it, it requires that we affirmatively release our spirit of control, doesn't it? And that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard, that's the most difficult thing that we have to do as human beings. Because our flesh demands that we be in control. Right? So we get tested. Now, the question is, how do we respond in the test? Do we get testy with God? And then say, okay, well, uh, I'm just going to do it myself. When we do that, friends, we're taking the next step toward building our own Tower of Babel. Rebellion. Now, interestingly, at the Tower of Babel, mankind's rebellion came full circle around so the people earned a name for their city. Their city's name became Babel, which means confusion. Now, let me ask you a question. As you look at the efforts of the Great Reset, and you look at the efforts of uh, the governors and uh, prime ministers and presidents of the world trying to choreograph everyone to get a vaccine and to get the next one and the next jab and the next jab and the next jab and to cut off their ability to do uh, conduct their lives, their children to get their education, all of this. Does this not sound like confusion to you? 
In fact, it's becoming more confusing by the day. In fact, it's getting so confusing that even many of those who have been promoting these things are saying, wait a minute, something's wrong here. This isn't working. There's not even any truth in it. Confusion. There's confusion where there is envy and strife. There is confusion in every evil way. When we envy God, when we want to be like him, there's going to be confusion in every evil way. Interestingly, right after the account of the Tower of Babel and the disbursement of the people, the very next verse in Genesis 11.10 is a whole new story of mankind, the genealogy of Shem. And the history of the family becomes the focus of the rest of the whole Old Testament. Through Abraham, a descendant of Shem, all the nations on earth would be blessed. God had promised Abraham that he would make of him a great nation and make his name great. Abraham did not strive for greatness. God made him great because of his willingness to humble himself and obey God. And all along, God had planned eventually to build a city, united under the rule of Christ, the Messiah. But unlike impatient Mankind, God would patiently build this city on his own timetable. And it required patience, endurance. So with the eyes of faith, remember right there in Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham looked for this city whose builder and maker is God. He didn't try to do it all himself. He was willing to let God build the city. We read about that city in the book of Revelation, don't we? Chapter 21. So God plans, his plans included an unbelievable way for repentant sinners to join him in that city. And that's by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ, meaning not that you agree that he is Jesus Christ, not that you believe that he's the Son of God, but that you are willing to allow that belief to change your entire life. In other words, your whole life reflects what you say you believe. That requires obedience, which is reflected in trust, and trust will increasingly be reflected in obedience. This is how it works. So, it's interesting, with his dramatic miracle at Pentecost, where the people from nations all over the earth first heard the Gospels in their own tongue, their own language, God let the world know that he had begun overcoming the effects of Babel in his way. So since then, he's been patiently fulfilling his plan to call people to his eternal city out of every tribe, tongue, and people and nation. In other words, if you look to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, you'll see that God now is, he is going to bring people back on his 
terms to unite us as one blood in Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul urged the believers to speak the same thing, to agree with God's word, not with man's word, not with man's opinions, not with man's viewpoints, but with God's viewpoint, no matter what humankind thinks. That's our big problem, friends. We're struggling with that in our churches. We're rationalizing, allowing the spirit of the world, the spirit of the Tower of Babel, the terror of the Tower, we're actually allowing that to increasingly govern how we think, how we teach, how we preach, how we conduct ourselves even as professing Christians. This is dangerous stuff. Now, in this final segment of the program, we want to talk even more specifically about the terror of the tower. The terror of the tower. Again, we've been talking about the Tower of Babel. We've been talking about how it was a spiritual enterprise revealed in a construction enterprise, but its motivation, its foundation was spiritual. It had to do with an attitude that was dramatically contrary to God's command. So let me ask you a question. Are you involved in anything that is contrary in attitude and heart, contrary to God's plan or will? That's one of the tests that God gives us, our attitude. See, God isn't just concerned about our actions. He's concerned about our attitudes. We could build a tower, but if our attitude is wrong, if our attitude is prideful, if our attitude is attempting to circumvent God's plan and purposes or to somehow disobey him in order to achieve what we think is God's goal, we've got a problem. A lot of pastors have been struggling with that. Oh, yes, big time. Building buildings. Oh, you mean we can even build our edifices supposedly in Christ, like the Tower of Babel? You better believe it, friends. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. The terror of the tower. That's what we're talking about here today on Viewpoint. 
so glad that you have joined us. Uh, I know that this is uh, perhaps challenging to follow, uh, but I ask the Lord to give you wisdom and understanding uh, to be able to follow here as we talk about the immense building that is taking place, not just in Israel with this tower in Tel Aviv, not just with the tower that Amazon and Jeff Bezos is building there in Washington, D.C., modeled after the Tower of Babel, not the tower that uh, uh, the EU built there in Strasbourg that looks like a modern version of the Tower of Babel. That's only a physical symbol of an attitude. It's a physical symbol of the heart. Why is it that these great powers are drifting or placing their hope and their expectations in a construction model that they think in their minds and hearts looks like the Tower of Babel. Why are they doing that? That speaks it all, friends. It tells the whole story. Because their heart and their mind is connected with Babel, not with God. They're in control. We will build a system. We will build a globalistic system. We will build a political and religious system and an economic system to support it that will solve all of the issues of the world, that will save humankind and save the climate. We'll save ourselves. That's the spirit. Interestingly, the word Babylon itself appears 286 times in the Bible. It's just everywhere. In the New Testament, 12 times. And uh, that comes, obviously, from the word Babel. Babylon, Babel. Now, interestingly, the mention of the first Babylon, or Babel, we see a form of democracy at work. Democracy. Now, maybe you think I'm throwing you a curveball. Isn't that what we should be seeking, democracy? Well, it depends. Are we speaking what God says or are we speaking what we say? When the first three words of the United States Constitution is preamble, are we the people, that can be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. It could be the beginning of a terrifying tower or it could begin be the beginning of looking for a city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. It depends on our attitude, our trust, and our purpose. And while it may have begun as a holy purpose, that has very quickly degenerated into a very unholy purpose. And we're seeing it happen. We're seeing our leaders. 50% of our country politically has already abandoned the fear of the Lord. 50% has clearly, unadulteratingly abandoned the fear of the Lord. They're called Democrats. In addition to that, a significant percentage of so-called Republicans have abandoned the fear of the Lord. 
So one might also say, in a realistic way, that somewhere between 70 to 80% of Americans today are living in the spirit of the Tower of Babel. Clearly living in that spirit. Not just questionably, clearly living in that spirit. That's a dangerous thing, if you think about it. Because if God would mess with the Tower of Babel and disperse them, what would he do for the United States of America? Oh, never thought about it that way, did we? The whole earth was with one language, one speech, and they found a place to dwell there in the land of Shinar, and they said, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they said, go, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. What is the intention of the leaders of this country and of the world? To gather the people out of the farmlands, to gather them out of the hinterland, so to speak, and bring them into the cities. Why? Control. It's part of the building of the tower. To unite the people towards an ancient global world society. Unify them, even against their will. So how are the people being united into a global society today? Education. Satellite communications. Internet. That's how it's happening. You can see it happening, friends. Look at what has happened to the American educational system. It has been turned on its head. And did you know that the original intent of John Dewey and those, Horace Mann, those who were the founders of American public education, this was their intent to strip away all God-fearing out of the land and through public education to prepare the people to live in a totally humanist spirit, which in essence was to rebuild the Tower of Babel for a globalist utopian world. Do you see it happening? There it is. Now, religious unity is also how it's happening. If you go back to the 1960s, it began a period, actually almost more in the 1970s, a unity movement. And I remember very clearly uh, as the mayor's prayer breakfast unit uh, efforts began across the country, and then the presidential prayer breakfast and the governor's prayer breakfast, the original intent of those who launched them, I think, was good. Oh, but it didn't take very much time before they devolved into not the worship of God, but the unification of religions and gods. 
everybody had to be given their respective time to proclaim their God. And yet it was called the prayer breakfast movement. I watched it happen. One of my dear brothers, dear friends, who was one of the early uh, advisors to Save America Ministries, Dr. John Perkins, was asked to speak in one of those events, and I went. And I was appalled at what happened. Here is a God-fearing, leading African-American Christian spokesperson who was enmeshed in a virtual orgy of religions, all in the name of a mayor's prayer breakfast. It was shocking, utterly shocking. So religious unity is a big deal. Pope Francis now, according to the former prime minister of Israel, Shimon Peres, was deemed to be the one to lead the world into a one-world religion. And where was to be the headquarters of the one-world religion? Jerusalem. Friends, that's the building of the Tower of Babel in Jerusalem. Spiritually. We're talking about something here. The merging of history and prophecy and economics and politics uh, and uh, spirituality, all of these things now are moving into one compression, one building project, a massive ultimate end-time building project to build a figurative tower to reach unto heaven so that we do not need to submit to God. And we don't need his Messiah. Even the majority of the religions of the world, friends, when you boil it all down, they all are looking at saving themselves. They're their own Messiah. When you get a hold of my book that will come out probably late spring or early summer called Messiah, you're going to be shocked to see how virtually all of the various religions including Judaism, even Judaism, boils down to self-salvation and building your own collective tower to save yourself. In fact, the children of Israel have had a very hard time with all of this for the very get-go. And they were judged over and over and over again when they refused to submit to God and his plan and his purposes. And even Israel, you you remember, uh, wanted, demanded of the prophet Samuel to build us, uh, give us a king, like all the other nations. Give us a king. God said, I'm your king. They said, no, but we want a king like everybody else. 
God had already told them through the prophet Balaam there in the book of Numbers that Israel would not be reckoned among the nations. But they said, we're not willing to yield to that. We want to be like all the other nations. We want to be cool. We want to be accepted. We want, we don't want to be set apart. We want to be like them. Even the Jewish leaders at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, when Pontius Pilate said, shall I crucify your king? What did they say? We have no king but Caesar. In other words, they were choosing purposely and intentionally to crucify the Lord of glory, who would have been their king, who they could have trusted for salvation, and instead they chose their own religious pride and were willing to submit to Caesar, whom they hated, rather than God. And so they will get Caesar. As they build this tower there in Tel Aviv, it's just one more indication that they are preparing to receive Caesar, a one-world government. They want to be like all the other nations, and they will be, as far as that can happen. But they are still going to be under the hatred of the nations. The Bible tells us that. But they think they can escape that, just like Christians and their pastors think that we can escape the persecution and the resistance of the world by becoming more like the world. In other words, by participating with them in the building of this terror tower. This is very dangerous, friends. There is a rebellious spirit among Christians today in our world. Don't let it happen to you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, friends. Democracy will not save us. Neither will a unified global government. Neither will our compromising with the spirit of Babel. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Get a copy of my book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. It'll help you in all this regard. $22 on our website, saveus.org. Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.